Hi there, it's Ross here from Football DNA, and today we're joined by Jack Matthews for another uh, coaching podcast, and we're going to be talking around planning and delivering for individual players. Um, so I suppose before we uh, begin, Jack, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me on, Ross. Great stuff. And um, so really today, um, Jack, um, is a really good opportunity for the listeners just to get a flavour around how you approach planning and delivering for the individuals. Uh, but before we um, begin, really, it'd be good just for you to, to do a little bit of an introduction into you, your role, and kind of a little bit around your, your coaching experiences for those that are, that are listening. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Jack Matthews, and I'm the uh, youth development phase lead uh, coach at um, AFC Wimbledon. So I head coach the under 16, 15 age group, oversee the 13s and 14s. And then I also do some work with our young pros, so the lads that are on first and second year pros that are out on loan. Um, I'll typically take them on a Monday and a Friday. So rather than be uh, kind of part of the main first team session, they'll be with me in a, a smaller group of anywhere between like three and, and ten players. And we'll do something a little bit more kind of position and player specific. Um, prior to that, I was the foundation phase lead coach uh, for two years. I was part time for three years prior to that as well. Um, and I've also worked in further education so I've taught on level one two and three uh, sport courses within uh, colleges as well as part of football and education programs um, so I was at Fulham in between 2016 and 2019 and then also taught at East Berkshire and Uxbridge uh, College before that um, and then I've done various bits and pieces within the coaching world so I, I worked at Curver Coaching in West London for a number of years um, I've done some stuff at development centres um, I also had a, a little nutrition consultancy side business for a period of time so um, yeah so I've done a fair few things but I'm really happy you know kind of doing what I'm doing now so yeah Brilliant and uh, as well, you mentioned Curver obviously that that particular uh, programme was something I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity of working within too and was very much around the individual developing that those skills um, as well. How, how has that shaped your your sort of um, coaching um, approach? You know, is that is that is that part of that period been beneficial for you as a as a coach? Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I know that saying that word, you know, can really split opinion, and and people are very very um, you know kind of ardent views about you know, the, the merits and the benefits and the disadvantages of 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 that. Um, I think the thing is, is that um, it has it has so many plus points. And I think in terms of a coaching journey, you know, if you start coaching at, you know, whatever, 15, 16, 17, and you're going to be coaching until you're in your 60s, it's not a bad... Um, it's not a bad method to have some experience in because I think it teaches you uh, very well at least one end of the spectrum and then it's your you, you know it's your job to go out and see some of the other you know philosophies and methods that are out there but in terms of the approach to uh, individual and small group play in terms of understanding skill moves as well as uh, dealing with groups of children and how to engage in, uh, engage them and, and immerse them within like a, a high tempo fun and engaging environment I, th I think it's been brilliant um, I think it's 
uh, it's way more than, than was just delivered on the youth diplomas. So again, if coaches have gone and, and done one of, the, uh, one of the youth diplomas, I think that's great. But like actually delivering it on the ground day to day is a little different and, it, and it's more than that. But I was at Curver at a great time with some great coaches and we did some really, really cool things. A lot of the coaches have gone on to do really, really well. So there's you know, now a manager in the National League that was part of our team. There's a member of the first team staff at Wimbledon. There's a full-time member of staff at uh, another academy in, in London. So we had a real core group of good coaches and it always starts with good coaches with good personalities first that, that then bring the method to life but um, yeah in terms of an understanding of, of individual or small group play skill development across a number of different areas of the pitch as well as a method behind player development I, I think it had some really really good points yeah Brilliant and I, I think throughout this podcast we'll probably build upon some of that and how that maybe now influences the work that you, you do currently I guess really I'm, I'm intrigued, Jack. You know, obviously you're now um, someone that's really conscious of planning for, for individuals in your in your sessions. Um, how, how have you gone around to get to that point? Because um, obviously as coaches going through the coaching qualifications, sometimes you can be put onto courses and your own experiences around session objectives. I need to get this out for the group. And sometimes you can focus on more the team-based stuff and less on the individual. So I suppose you just shed a little bit of light on your journey and now how you're sort of approaching it and how your sort of prior experiences have influenced how you're working working now. Yeah, sure. I think... Um... I think in, I suppose in recent years, and this is where I think I'm probably quite lucky to be the age I am now at the time of, um, you know, the trends in, in like coach education and CPD and where the, the, the coaching qualifications are going, as well as, um, I guess one of the benefits to come out of the, 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 the pandemic was this, um, I think the coaching community really got together and, and there was loads of knowledge sharing and, you know, podcasts and those sort of things. <clears throat> I think we are at a stage now where if we're not taking into account like individual needs and individual preferences, then, you know, we are, we are falling behind. Um, whilst, um, you know, whilst you have a, a, a team that, that, you know, plays a game every Saturday within that, there are many different um, individuals and they all have slightly different, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And, and it's our job to make sure that they, they maximize their, their own skill set and their own kind of, um, you know, fingerprint of what makes that person, uh, <clears throat> what makes that person them. Um, you know, we are developers, and you do need a team structure for allowing individual development to come out. You know, without that individual, uh, without that team, you know, cohesion and framework, and individual development uh, um, doesn't happen. And and I do think good teams help individuals develop, um, but at the same time, sometimes um, you know, the focus on the team can can supersede that of the individual. So. I think over the last few years, it's, you know, through, you know, national coaching courses, it's podcasts, it's talking to other coaches, as well as um, just having a bit more belief about who you are as a coach and, and you know, um, developing your own style. Um, for me, it's about providing an environment where individuals have a slightly different focus and are allowed to express themselves with some help and some guidance along the way and whether they realize it now or not at 15 16 or 19 20 or whether they look back in many years time that hopefully they'll look back with fond memories and realize that you know they did have a really really good experience where they're allowed to um you know be free to trial and error where they were given support and guidance within a safe and learning environment and there were some nice little bits that helped them individually regardless um 
um, without them just being like a, a, a cog in a much bigger wheel that actually there was, you know, some focus on them um, as an individual. I guess to be more specific, uh, when I was working at Fulham, um, I would as much like I would try and watch as many uh, first team training sessions as possible. So our coaching would finish at kind of 10.45, 10.50 and the first team would start at half 10. So I immediately just get outside and watch first team training. So I was lucky enough to see um, three different management um, uh, three different um, management staff set uh, sets in there um, and some really really good stuff and some really strange stuff um, but one thing that was obvious was that there was very little individual development so it, everything was focused on the team and you were a, uh, a component of that team structure and at the time that I was there there were some young individuals at, at Fulham very very good and very talented but their kind of personal individual development stopped and their only development that they got was in the role that you play within the team this is what you need to be good at um, and that made me think there's definitely a place for indi individual development further down the line so hypothetically if I was a first team manager um, you know on a Monday afternoon then you know after the team session you take the wingers or on a Tuesday afternoon after the team session you take the, the central midfielders and each each player is performing slightly different actions to a greater or a lesser extent and there's no other than the differentiation they naturally get in a 11v11 or skill practice or a possession practice, there's there's some really like untapped areas of development where you can, you know, produce specific, you know, sessions for that individual to amplify the frequency of the number of actions that they they train that they're going to need in a game. Um, taking some of the stuff that we did at Curva, like Curva has, you know defender in front defender to the side defender behind defender diagonal you know practices that again just create situations where the player has to notice defensive pressure from different sides and be able to find a solution and we can get into maybe the philosophy in, in a little bit because that's where there's some debate but in terms of actually recreating those pictures um again there's a massive place for that for allowing an individual to concentrate a little bit more of um, solving problems within certain areas of the field where defensive pressure is coming from certain um, certain angles and directions. Yeah, that, that's. I, I think on that, Jack, I think that's really interesting just in terms of kind of the differences of how you may do that. You may do it in the team-based, group-based sessions. You may do it with a small group or units. But then you've also got that opportunity where you might do some one-to-one -one individual stuff. And I suppose it's understanding the needs of the individual and where and what they need at that particular time to get some work on that. So there may be some individuals that need that through a more implicit learning environment, through games-based stuff, whereas there'll be some that might need that explicit one-to-one -one work and that sort of sheer unopposed repetition as well, just to build up a bit of confidence and just to get some practice as well. So so when, when you're um, planning a session then, how, how do you how do you approach it for individuals? So say you've got a, a group of a group of players and, and you've got a theme of, of, of whatever. How, how do you go around it? Do you plan your sort of coaching points for the group? Do you think about the individual players? What, what's the process for you? Um, so with my work with the uh, with the young pros, um, I have to be I have to be uh, very adaptable and I have to be um, ready to go on a, on like a moment's notice. So for example, um, there was a session a couple of weeks ago, um, I planned for five, 
I was told I had seven. I started with six and then I think I ended with eight. So you have to be incredibly adaptable. So, and, and that comes with just time and practice and experience. And you always have a couple of things in your back pocket to fall back on. So not everything that you deliver is like top, top class. And, and, and I'd love to be able to have, you know, more time to really plan even further. But so you do, A, you have to be adaptable and B, you have to probably have a big bank of, of ideas and conditions and constraints that, that you can then, you, you know utilize as and when you need um the second thing i guess you look at the players that you've got and you and you know you know their areas of development so even the young pros will have you know three personal development targets and i'm aware of what they are and depending upon the like the mix that you've got so the other day you know we had two two right backs so we did a little drill in terms of defending in wide areas out on the right hand side and then attacking either on the left or on the right hand side um so you look at the players that you've got and you go, okay, so today I might cater for him a little bit more in this practice and this practice. And then we also had a goalkeeper. So we've had a goalkeeper in two of the sessions in the last two weeks. And I've actually done a session specifically like for the goalkeeper. So it's an outfield session where there's, you know, playing out from the back, there's keep ball, there's breaking lines and counter-attacking. But really, it's working on the goalkeeper and his ability to, you know, play with his feet and then recover, it, uh, recover on a loss of possession. So I think what you do is you look at the makeup, you look at their PDTs and you make sure that each session you're kind of, um, some coaches use the phrase like turn the volume up on one or two players or, or shine a spotlight on one or two players. And I might tell them explicitly, look, this is going to be for you. We've spoken about X, Y, and Z. And so this game is for you. And sometimes I won't and just see how it reacts. But I like I've got a nice game that I developed just on the fly that actually works really well for one of our wingers breaking lines. So receiving like on the half turn, turning and playing forward. Oh. And and having gone and watched him play, so many of his 1v1s begin back to goal. Um which is a side issue, but I do think developing back to goal players is really important for young kids. But like he's a winger and so many 1v1s are taught with the defender in front, actually so many of his 1v1s begin back to goal. And I've got this little game where he constantly, and without me telling him, he receives sort of between lines, between defenders on the half turn or rolls a defender and then attacks forward. Um, That's brilliant, isn't it? And just in terms of your observations and noticing what individuals' needs are and then building practices or games that are specific for them so whilst you're getting some outcomes for the group you know for that individual on this area of the pitch mm. is what they need and, mm. and I, like, I love the fact that you've got it like explicitly sometimes you might say some but then actually you might just say like well, I'm going to plan this knowing that I'm going to get some stuff from that, mm. that player but they're not really going to know it it'll be interesting to see how they that and I, and I suppose that's an opportunity to almost consolidate some learning but also for you to check and challenge actually are they picking up information are they developing these things without me explicitly telling them what to mm. what to do i think that's brilliant yeah no totally no absolutely and sometimes it goes the other way so i've done games where they're aimed at i've done a game that was aimed at the center midfielders but we did a because we've got in one particular group we had like four four or five fullbacks so we did fullbacks versus the others and the fullbacks won so sometimes you get different outcomes and you get different players that really buy into it um then you try and you know you take kind of situational learning and representative learning design and you and you put it in the area of the pitch of which it's going to be um so at least it's it's authentic to their development um and then and then I guess the thing with the young pros is we, we we get a lot of their games filmed. So I'm able to either watch their footage and see their clips. And again, you can see, 
you know, at that level, like Ishmael Prem and National League and National League South, it, it's 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 moments. It's really moments that they have to take advantage of. It's very different from, you know, under 16, under 18 or under 14 football where the ball spends a lot more time on the floor and, you know, there's longer phases of possession. You know, these, that these lads, they have to take advantage of moments. When you see, you know, 8, 10, 12 clips in a row, you see the moments that they get. So again, you go, okay, these are the things that they really need to be good at. And then I've gone and watched them a couple of times. So, you know, when you see it live, again, you go, oh, that's given me an idea for, you know, for designing this practice or that's given me an idea for um, adding in this condition. So again, seeing it live, the the game, the game is, is great feedback. You, you know, the game tells you what, you know, they need to be good at and and what they're not good at. And then also players give you that feedback. So in when you're in a session, if something's not working, rather than like fighting against it as a coach, just take that as, oh, that's that's the reaction to this stimulus. I thought X was going to happen, but actually Y happened. I, I might need to tweak something. Um, I think that's, um, I, just, I love the idea of just interpreting what you've seen and coaches being challenged really not to have like prescriptive session plans but to observe something and then create a practice or a game based around that and then that knowing that is what what you want to get and that may be some stuff that you know it's from the from previous weeks from, from the game at the weekend or it may be thinking oh so and so is really struggling with this at the moment i'm really gonna nail this in my practice and this is what i'm going to come up with to to challenge them them on that um, I, I guess uh, linking back Jack, to the, the stuff with with Curvis, you've spoken obviously around position specific work and how you might target wide players, central midfielders, and what that looks like with older players. In terms of then coaches, uh, you know that are working with younger players, how, how can you approach sort of planning and delivering for those individuals in those mini soccer soccer age groups? Mm. I know you've had mm. obviously had experience with the the foundation yeah. age group, so. I think, yeah, no, sure. So I think the way, like, I think the way Afghanistan would see it is that, you know, between the ages of, and I, I don't want to say specifically, but as a rough guy, between the ages of, say, seven and 11, you know, there's, say, seven key moves that a player should learn. And in between the ages of 12 and 16, there should be, you know, 14 key moves that a player should learn. And then between the ages of 16 and 19, there's maybe more position specific. So you as, an, a co- as a coach, I guess you have your own biases as to what skill moves work better and are more frequent and are more, you know, relevant. Um, so it's, I suppose it's with the age group that you're working with, whether you play, you know, 5v5, 7v7, 9v9, is going, what is the realistic number of skill moves that I can help this player that he can remember um execute regularly and enjoys working with that will give him a, a chance of succeeding in the game you know so Kerber has is it oh God, I can't remember now is it 48 skill moves and, and yeah and, and or oh I should know this and um, you know the, with all the ball mastery moves and the ball protection moves and the 1v1s yeah you know, every player doesn't need to know all of them. Um, so it's a good thing to give, you know, seven to 11 year olds a, a variety of say six or seven. And that might be, you know, the inside and outside cut, the single and double scissor, uh, the chop move, you know, the drag back and one or two others. And then as they're a little bit older, you know, there's more zones on the pitch. So under seven, there's four zones. And then under 12, there's seven zones. And, and then, um, you know, and then as they get older, now it's a little bit more position specific. Um, yeah, but I like, so I I think, like that. 
I'm sorry on that. I think that's a right, quite a cool way of looking at it. Even with you, you, if you're looking at individual techniques, whether it's one of your moves, ball striking, goal scoring skills, you know, having a look at, right, what, what do the players have? I might, I might be in the foundation phase wanting players to achieve this. Okay, they're looking at the individuals, right? They're really struggling on ball striking on their left foot. They're really struggling on uh, 1v1s with their back to goal. They're really good at 1v1 defending. They're really good at ball manipulation. And then starting to plan out, right, okay, when I'm, when I'm delivering, I'm going to cover all of this stuff. But I know when I focus on this, these are the one or two players that I'm really going to um, hone in on um, and, and turn the light on to, to really try and challenge. Um, mm. I suppose in those younger age groups, it's about trying to, those individuals, give them a real core you know, building those basics really, giving them a real range of different uh, skills that they can can use in in games. Um, I don't know, is that sort of kind of where you where you think with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's it's all of that. It's so at the age, I, I suppose the biggest thing, and this is something that I've got, I I probably learned not within football, but in another discipline, is this idea of adherence and being able to stick to what you're doing. So it's a big thing for like, like behavior change in whatever, you know, field you're working in. And let's say it's, it, you know, it's weight loss for, for argument's sake. The, the actual knowledge that you give somebody or support them with, um, it's, it's, it's almost secondary to whether they can stick to it. And what you want to do is you want to find a sweet spot where you can give um, as much as much information in as few words as possible but with maximum um, uh, where they're able to adhere to it, they can stick to it and they can still do the same things in two years, three years, 10 years. Um, And it's the same with the players. So it's about finding that balance between going, I actually know what not to say and rub this out because I know that you know these three things are really going to stick and the players can can stick to so that's making a decision based upon the age of the players you're working with uh, how many players you've got in the group the format that they play you know their ability the individual makeup of the group Um, and if that means that these three players need to be really good at these four moves and it's possible then then go for it and it means not then you know rubbing out all the other stuff Um, so I think you know, knowing which players to push, knowing which players not to, but the overall idea of adherence, what can they stick to? What can they realistically achieve? Where can you get the most, um, you know, value for, you, for your development? I think that's probably a really key thing that I've got, not in football, but that helps my, you know, football coaching. Yeah, that's nice. That's a great tip for, for coaches listening in. I suppose we've touched a lot on the technical part of positional stuff, skills-based stuff. Um, you know, there's obviously some other areas in terms of physical and the psych and the social. How do you approach that uh, as a coach if you've got, say, a player that needs some some real focus on the physical corner for whatever reason, or you've got a player that maybe is really struggling with confidence or is finding communication difficult and is sometimes communicating quite negatively in your sessions? And how do you differentiate with that? So you've obviously spoken a lot around that no, it's a really good question and I'm still learning. I definitely don't I definitely don't have that right. There's been a lot of experiences this this season that have caused me to um 
you know, to revisit, uh, I guess, some of that stuff. I think the first thing and, the, and arguably the most important is, is uh, as a coach, have a philosophy so that any moment you have a, a principled set of decisions as to why you do what you do and how you how you intervene. And that's typically around. Um, I guess behavior culture and you, you know group management and again a lot of I suppose a lot of that sort of stuff and that interaction with players from a, a group perspective I've got from work to, from working in further education oh. you know delivering a syllabus and a curriculum to 24 lads you know in a classroom over the course of you know nine months of the year I, I think has given me something in terms of my coaching but yeah I think the first thing is as a coach have a philosophy so that you're able to tell your players and, and I haven't done this and this is why I, I, I then you know, I've had to go back. Is going look. These are my, you know, four or five big kind of non-negotiables, and I need you to know these and agree to them. And and it means that in any situation, you know, when I make a decision, it's not you know emotional and it's not, you know, that I've got a compass and a map as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, then you need to have your, you know, your group agreements, behaviours, you know on pitch values off pitch values and you have to be consistent with them and again there's been times in my career where I have and where I haven't um, but you have to be prepared to you know to be consistent with that um, and then and then I think probably the third thing is just being aware of the age that you're dealing with and I think you know 15 16 it, it's really really difficult uh, you know as is 1920 but for slightly different reasons you know so I think then the key thing there is probably knowing you know when not to intervene and what not to say you know because they've got so many challenges as it is and they're not going to get it right but they just need us I believe as coaches to be you know stable and consistent and you know provide that like unconditional support and we do have to give judgment that is our role as a coach and players want you to be honest and give them feedback but there's a way where you can do it with kindness and you can say look today I didn't think your decision making was very good you know you chose X and maybe Y was on but I'm going to help you with that here here and here but I need you to look and check your shoulders before you receive or I need you to not turn down that pass in this situation because these are the outcomes um, but as long as we're you know stable and consistent with that then I think it there is the fourth thing I'd say there is some trial and error so developing the you know somebody's social ability or developing somebody's psychability that that's an area where i'm having to to trial and error a few things and yeah. you know see see the returns i get so there was there's one game that i did not too long ago where i basically put all our very like quick fast counter-attacking players on one team and our players are our passers on the other and each 11 had a a different rule so you know one team scoring in within 10 seconds gives them a certain reward and the other team x number of passes within the opposition half gives them a certain reward and there was a little bit of like chaos in the in the beginning and then it really settled down and there were some really really good outcomes where without me telling these boys oh you're on this team because and you're on that team because players naturally started to you know, play to their preferences. So there were some lovely, you know, combinations in the opposition half of the passing team. And then there were some brilliant counter-attacking um, opportunities with the other. So you're you're trying to find, and it is difficult and it, it tests you as a coach not to just revert back to something that is easy and you're, you know, it forces you not to be lazy. And, um, and then on top of that, I think we do some really good things at Wimbledon. So we, at the end of not every, but most sessions, we ask for, for feedback for the players. So they give their perceptions on how they performed and how we performed as coaches. So they're honest in, you know, their effort, application and quality within the session, areas that could have been better. 
and they provide us feedback as coaches you know so I'll always ask them you know what could I have done to help you better you know what did you want more or less of um, and I'll use that then to inform my practice the next week so that you know it's not just we're not just giving you a, a microphone and then not using it. you know you can you can give us feedback and we'll, we will apply it and we will actually use it um, and then it's probably I suppose checking in with other people so there are some really really good coach educators out there and maybe you know taking some of their suggestions and their advice and trying it and then maybe adapting it and building upon that um, regarding the physical side so we do on a Monday we'll do a carousel and we split players into their maturation groups so depending upon their growth and maturation reports we'll put them into three groups so that you know it's not necessarily all the 16s in one but there is you know they're, they're based upon their um biological maturation rather than their chronological maturation um, so that accounts for some of our physicality and then on a Tuesday we, we do some position specific work so we have defenders, midfielders and attackers but then we'll do some position specific kind of sports science physical work so some players who you know need that little bit more work based upon their sports science data they'll get some additional uh, stuff on top of that and then we'll carry that through to a Thursday where there'll be some focus in the gym so you'll have you know your strength or your power or your speed and and they'll get a little bit more focus that way so yeah, I'll hopefully try to try to answer that question yeah that's no, brilliant Jack I think um, a couple of things that really stick out for me there was just being intentional with with the work that you're doing and having real clarity on if I've got kids in for three sessions a week or I've got them in for one session a week what is the best use of time and how could I get a really blended program which caters for the individual needs and it may be because I haven't got a huge amount of contact time I'm going to do majority of my stuff in group based stuff but I might get these things for the individuals similarly if I've got two or three sessions I might split how I focus on some of the physical stuff some of the psych stuff some of that team based and technical based work I think it's really interesting and I think the other thing that comes across brilliantly as well is just being reflective and just trying stuff and if you're making mistakes being okay and, and using the expertise or the knowledge of some of those people around you to give input so and I think having someone with experience that may have had coached a kid that you're finding is finding something in particular, those coaches may have had experiences of being with individuals like that. So they can shed, oh, have you thought about this? Or have you tried this? Or it may be a coach that's worked with that player previously and they can give you some feedback on, oh, that's you. This might, this might work for that for that play. I think it's, it's great. Um, I suppose just to, to finish then, Jack, I mean, have you got... I know you spoke about adherence, philosophy, and uh, and I think the variety of stuff has come out brilliant. Have you got any sort of tips to leave leave coaches with um, to to go away with? So they're going to try and really nail this planning and delivering for the individuals in their in their sessions and games. God, there's so many. Um, I would say, and again, these like someone once said a tutor years and years and years ago they said I, I said oh have you got any good recommendations for a book and he said the best book you'll ever read is the one you write yourself and, and I was like no 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 no. have you got a, a good book he was <laughs> like no just go and make your own notes and like I have done that I always at the end of every season I'll write down some reflections you know as the days and the weeks go by some things will kind of hit home and I'll write it down um I've got a couple that kind of uh, at, at the top of my head. As a coach, you have to know your conditions and constraints and the effects of them better than the players do. You have to know as soon as you apply a condition or a constraint what, what the behaviour will be. And then you have to know the, the knock-on effects of that. And there might be two, three or four. 
So you'll say a condition, you know, the first time the player, this neutral player gets the ball, he can play in one touch. The next time he gets the ball, he can play unlimited. Cool. And then a player will go, can he score? And you go, uh, yeah, he can. And then you go, can he score first time? And you go, no, he has to make at least one pass. So you, you have to know that you have to know your conditions and constraints and why you're doing what you're doing. I'd say the second thing is you have to be a proper referee. You have to referee the game. If you want players that are competitive and understand the rules to the best of their ability because you want certain behaviours, then you have to referee the game correctly. And I don't always get this right, but working with senior players, first-team players, which I've done a couple of times this year, and then the young pros, if you don't know, A, know your conditions, and B, if you don't referee the game, then you lose their buy and you lose their learning and yeah. you lose the competitiveness. Um, I'd say the third thing is... The third thing, I, I'm massive on just just be a good person yourself. Good, just be a good person. Be somebody who the players know. You know, you act with like integrity. You deliver with kindness. You really care, um, and 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 just work hard. And I think you know, I think the players see that. I think they appreciate it. Um, I'd say use use the player's performance as feedback so if you apply a rule or a condition or you ask them to do something and then the result is different from what you thought it would be don't get hit up about it it's not the player's fault they're interpreting your rule and condition mm. and if they don't do it in the way that you want then it, you need to be a better rule maker or condition maker um, to try and get that behavior implicitly or, or, or explicitly um Watch football, watch loads of football at all ages. I think that's really, really important. There's so much of what I've seen this year that's helped inform my practice at, at other ages. But over the course of the, the years, uh, you know, I haven't been a season ticket holder at not just one but two different clubs and seeing football from you know Premier League all the way down to um, Ishmael Prem, I think I think's really important. Um, how about those? Is that all right? That's fantastic, Jack. Yeah, I think they're really good. I, I think it's just the... Get around it. Watch, watch stuff. Try stuff. The more and more you can be around it and surround yourself around good people and coaching and getting hands-on experiences, the better that you'll become and more refined you'll come in your in your arts. But I think um, it'd be really interesting to hear from from the listeners if they are doing anything unique with how they're planning and delivering for individuals to to reach out. Um, make sure we we check out Jack's book in there in a few years time for all his his notes. There'll be a be a release uh, as well. But um, but no thanks Jack for for, for joining us and um, you're welcome. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you giving up your time and um, yeah for, for listeners hopefully it's been been useful and uh, look forward to hearing from the for the coaching community around this as as we move forward. So yeah thanks again. <laughs>